Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. It's time to shift your paradigm, gain some inspiration, and get moving towards that next level of success. So today we're going to talk about love in the workplace. Um, And if you clicked on this podcast because you were intrigued by that topic, I can understand why, but let me just be really clear what kind of love in the workplace we're going to be talking about. Uh, We're going to be talking about the kind that is HR appropriate. Just kidding. But um, we're going to be talking about that word love and Michael McFalls here. And he brought this topic to me and I thought, oh my gosh, we need to be talking about this now more than ever. I think it's something we should have always been talking about, but I think leaders in organizations do not put enough around loving, caring for their people. And then they wonder why their people don't care back, right, about the company. And so I think that love in the workplace topic is going to be something that hopefully shifts everyone's perspective um, as you listen to this. So I am very grateful to have Michael here, who's CEO of Big B Coffee. He will tell his story. It's amazing. And you're going to want to know more about the company as well. So we'll give you info at the end on on finding out more about who they are, because they are building something very unique um, and a culture that is very different. And and I appreciate and respect him for that as well. So Michael, welcome. Thank you, Jamie. It's great to be here. Thanks. I'd love for you to just start with your journey. I know a little bit of it. I'm, I'm looking to learn a little bit more and interested in learning more, but start with your journey. How did you get to this point in your success? Well, I, you know, I think it, it all started as a barista. So I started as a barista in our very first store. And frankly, I, I fell in love with being a barista. And I fell in love with greeting people in the morning and uh, serving them a cup of coffee and having a, 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 a small engagement with them, which I knew was positive for them. And I could give them a little injection of, of positivity in their, in their, in their morning. And I just really, I really loved that. And I, and so, you know, it, I didn't, I, I didn't enter the coffee business thinking that I was going to uh, be an entrepreneur uh, in coffee. I just entered as a barista because I was on a very specific research project at Michigan State University at the time, uh, preparing to go back to graduate school and you know, getting published and everything you're supposed to do in order to, uh, to go back to school. So the job at the coffee shop was just meant to be fun, make, make a few extra dollars. Uh, and, and so, but then, you know, what happened was, is I, I fell in love with the business one, two, uh, meaning being a barista in the business, but then two, I really began to sense an opportunity in coffee, right? So this is right, this is, this is 1996. Uh, this is right when Starbucks was making its launch into uh, Chicago in a very big way uh, from Seattle, which was their second landing point. And, it, you know, it's, it didn't take a rocket scientist in 1996 to see what was coming in relation to uh, retail coffee, gourmet coffee. So, you know, with that, I, I ended up, um, my, my, my business partner, Bob Fish, who owned the first store, and I was his employee, uh, he had approached me about becoming a manager at his second store that he was working on. And so, you know, he and I sat down to have a, a quote interview, and it was this beautiful day in March, uh, you know, when the, the, the first day where you can smell spring, you know, and so we, we lasted about, you know, three minutes at the table uh, and we jumped up and we ended up going for like a four hour walk throughout East Lansing. And that walk's now become somewhat infamous. Uh, and by the end of that walk, we shook hands and agreed to start a company together uh, to grow uh, the brand, grow the concept, Big B Coffee. We had one unit at that time. And 
it's been it's been quite a journey uh, since then, since that handshake uh, behind our first store, and you know we are now uh, in. 11 states, soon to be 13 states. Uh, we have uh, 243 stores uh, opened, but even I think more interesting than 243 stores open is, is we now have 108 stores under contract to be opened. And so we're gonna go from you know the mid 200s to you know well over 300 very, very shortly here. And uh, that's really exciting. So it's a little bit of my journey. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of, a lot of color uh, throughout that, that I didn't touch on, but that gives you a feel for who I am. And you know, I started as a barista and today I uh, run the company with my partner. We're 50-50 partners, we're co-CEOs, we're co-founders. Uh, we do everything equally and we always have. That is such an amazing story. And I seriously want my kids to be you, like to be that person, right? I mean, that just is open to that because all I can think about as you're telling your story is if you had followed the rules, meaning societal rules and what you're supposed to do, you would have just gone back the degree, the research, product, like that's what right. I'm supposed to do. And so many people feel like they have to follow that. And who's telling them they have to follow that. So yeah. I just think it's an amazing story of like, Right. If you're in some place that that drives you and you're passionate about, figure out how to do more of that. Yeah, my mom was a was a professor at Michigan State, and my dad was an entrepreneur, and you know they had invested heavily in me. <laughs> it paid for all my undergrad. They'd given me a lot of experiences in my life and so on. And you know, I at twenty, what I've been twenty four years old, I I was a barista in, in a coffee shop, and. You know, they never said a word. Uh, they supported me. They loved me. Uh, when I left the university uh, to to take to go into the coffee business full time, yeah. um, they loved it. They 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 supported me fully, and uh, and I, I find that pretty amazing, actually. Yep, it is amazing. So before we dive into the topic, I want you to because you're on the Superpower Success podcast, and so our goal is to just help people understand what those innate strengths are that they have that are going to propel them right towards true and fulfilling success, not someone else's definition. So what is the superpower that you have that you think has helped you get to this point? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say to focus and then my uh, positivity. And so it, you know, um, I just believe in being very positive in every interaction with everybody, staying, finding the positives. And, you know, we've been through some really hard times uh, over 25 years, really hard. And, you know, we, we stay positive. We, uh, and we keep moving forward and I just don't dwell on, on negative. I love it. It's refreshing. And it's why your business is where it's at, I can guarantee. And for anybody that doesn't understand at a franchise business level, 300 stores, which is where you're going is, is really top of the charts. I mean, that, that that's a huge franchise. And that's a lot of success and a lot of loyal people that believe in what you do. And so that's not a small feat. So I, I believe you when those superpowers, when you say those superpowers is what's gotten you to that point. Um, so Today we're talking about kind of what I say is what it means to kind of love your employees, love the people that you work with and bring that into the workplace, which traditionally, and especially in corporate environments, has not been a word that many people use. So talk a little bit what about what that means to you and what it means in your organization. Well, first, let me say that love does exist in corporate America. Mm -hmm. And I think if you were to go in and analyze 
the high performing teams in corporate America with high performing leaders and high performing managers, there's a great deal of love that's occurring inside of that team. And so I just don't think we call it that. Uh, and, you know, when I, when I look at love, love is not, you know, I'm not, as you mentioned, we're talking about the HR appropriate love here, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny, <laughs> but it's the kind of love, like I, I, when I was a kid, um, my dad loved me and he supported me and he got me through a bunch of things that were very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. I didn't like him one bit. <laughs> I get it. I have four teenagers. They don't love. They don't love me right now. Right. <laughs> they love me. They don't like me. Right. And he was. He was hard on me. He. He drove me aggressively. He was. You know. Uh, and so that. That to me, that's the kind of love we're talking about. Yes. Is when you are vested in supporting somebody, in building a life that they love for themselves. That that's truly love right? That is truly love. And so that's the kind of love that we're referencing here. And, you know, I don't really understand why more leaders don't engage in the concept of, of love and supporting people. Uh, but, you know, our, our purpose at our organization, a purpose of our company is uh, Big B Coffee exists to support you in building a life that you love. That's what we do. And, and it's, it's, you queued up pretty quickly on the unconventional nature of my background, mm -hmm. but that's where it all started because we believe in supporting people in their passions, in what they're, what they want to pursue, not necessarily what everybody else thinks they should be doing. My partner and I both have very unconventional, not very, I mean, we have unconventional backgrounds mm -hmm. and, and we love that about our histories and we want to support people in pursuing that. And so, so when we got into a really long process of considering our purpose, uh, we just kept coming back to the same thing, which was be yourself, you be you. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and we wanted to support everyone in, in our organization in pursuing that. And so we just kept coming back to that concept. And that's how we ended up settling on our purpose of supporting you and building a life that you love. And it's about you deciding what your life is going to be and then figuring out how to support you in that. And thank you for saying that it took you time, a lot of time to get to that purpose, because I think there's a lot of pressure on leaders, individuals, companies that they have, like, we have to have a purpose. Like, let's figure it out. Let's schedule two hours and figure out our purpose. And it's just, it's artificial pressure. It, it takes time to develop it. And those words need to keep coming forward. And the actions, the and examples that you're seeing need to then show it. Because to be honest, the words that you use to describe it, I could care, right? I should be able to feel it, right? We, yeah. we should be able to see it in action. And, and so I love that you, you know, you're, you're saying that it does take time to get there because there's going to be leaders that are listening right now um, that care for their people, but they don't, they don't know if they're doing enough, right? Do they love their people? Like, like what would you tell someone that's listening saying, like, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I just don't know how to do that. And I don't know how to do it in a way that's, that is appropriate in a corporate environment. Like, how do I start? Well, let me circle back and just say, when I, when I say it took us a long time, it, it took us uh, 
12 months to get to our purpose and then another 12 months to land on our on our vision we met every tuesday at 1 p.m for an hour and we just kept doing it over and over and over and it was arduous what a purpose does though is it allows for people to self-select in and or self-select out of an organization if the purpose doesn't work for them or hopefully the perfect purpose does work for them. And so a big part of being a leader in an organization is getting your people. Everybody talks about get alignment. Well, align around what? What are you aligning around? You need to tell people what you're doing so they can decide whether they're going to align with you or they're not. If they're not going to align with you, that's okay. Yeah. And then you have to support them and moving on and doing something else. But, you know, I always hear about the leader's job is to get alignment, but I always question the next question is alignment for what? Mm-hmm. So everybody in our organization knows when you, when you join us or when, when you decide to stay with us, that what you're doing is, is you're waking up in the morning and you're working on a company that's supporting people and building lives that they love period. Right. That that's it. And so if you're with that, great. Yeah. So how do you support people in, in, how do you love people in a workplace? That was the question. I I think there's, um, I'll give you some of the things that we're doing and then, and then you you can probably drill down on some of them. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we do in our organization is we provide coaching and it is coaching that is not about you becoming a better employee. It's coaching you in pursuing understanding and pursuing your passions. And we, we know that, and it's happened multiple, multiple times that that might lead to somebody leaving our organization. And that is heresy in corporate America, that, mm-hmm. that we would put people into a process that ultimately a year or two or three later, they would decide that, no, you know what? They do want to go do a food truck that serves cupcakes and pies, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get behind them on that and we support them in that. But what people have to understand is, Yes, people will self-select out, but those that stay are self-selecting in, and then therefore they are incredibly passionate about showing up to work and doing their work because that work aligns with their personal passion. Their, the life that they want to live, the, the life that they love. And so, so to me, uh, this coaching thing is, is really a, a critical part of it. And they're not coached by their manager. Right. So, so they're not, you know, the man, the manager does not have, I'm sorry, the coach does not have misaligned uh, uh, objectives. The coach is just simply there to support them in the exploration of their life and their passions. They're not getting direction from the manager. Here's what they need to work on. It's for the individual. Yeah. And, and and a lot of that sometimes has to do with figuring out the interpersonal relationship between the employee and the manager, which is difficult at times, right? We all know that. I mean, and so, uh, you know, some other things that we do, uh, we have forums in our organization. There are seven to 10 uh, people. They come together monthly and it is about supporting you and building a life that you love, right? So, so it's a, it's a support group. And, you know, I've always, I've always said that I wish I was an alcoholic so I could become sober. So I could go to Alcoholics Anonymous and get all that support. (laughs) <laughs> right. There's some real magic in a support group like that. And, and, and <clears throat> there aren't that many places for people to get that kind of uh, support and engagement uh, mm-hmm. in the world. And so why can't, why shouldn't we, we should provide that for people in our organizations. And so they get together on work time. 
uh, they sit, they, you know, they, they read books together. They, uh, there's all kinds of exercises. They, they, and they end up being self-managing in the end. We support them for two mm-hmm. years when they're, they're getting going, but yeah. then the group has to, to go and, 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 and self-manage, uh, administer. So, uh, forums are a, a, a really important way for us. Uh, we also have learning dialogues. It's a really, it's almost a scientific process that we put people through when there's conflict and you force people to sit down and go through an exact process of getting to resolution on conflict. Uh, and so, you know, that's a really healthy part uh, of our world. But, you know, the, the thing that, the thing that I, I really want to make sure, there's two things, two other things I want to touch on. One, the workplace is the perfect Petri dish for self-improvement. It's the perfect Petri dish because you are actively engaged in work in something important. You have people around you that are vested in your success and they can support you in diving into what you, your weaknesses, your strengths and so on. And they can work with you to, to grow and expand and expand your thinking and so on. So, so work is the perfect Petri dish. And then the, the last thing is, is that, I just don't understand why we don't, why we stop learning, why we, why uh, life needs to be a journey of, of lifelong learning. And we don't do that. Right. We, our organizations don't support that. Sure. They'll get you trained better to do or trained to get, do your job better. So you can make the corporation more money so you can do your task better. But what I'm talking about is, is lifelong learning from the perspective of learning what you want right? What, mm-hmm. let, let's, let's support that. And, and so uh, those are, you asked the question, what can people do to try to uh, love their work, their, their um, colleagues at work? I mean, right there. I mean, I think that th- that's the stuff that we're doing and there's more, uh, but <laughs> there's more. No, it, it's just refreshing. And I think it's, for, for leaders to be listening, even if they don't feel like they have that control or they can do that, there are companies that are figuring this out and have had it figured out, totally. right? And are doing it. And I think that we just need to be hearing from more companies like yours that are doing it and it's and it's working. So it's a bunch of crap that you can't do it because it works, right? We, like we've proven that it works. And you were talking about, you know, how you grow your people and it's true servant leadership. And we get the question all the time, like, because we do leadership programs, right? And training and well, what if we do this? And you know, how do we know people are going to stay? And it's that old adage that, you know, what if, what if we train them and they leave? What if we invest in them and they leave? And what if we don't and they stay, right? Like how's our organization going to grow unless we grow them? And if there's a fear that they're going to leave, I think we should be letting them leave with like, go forth, spread your wings, right? Go do something that you're more passionate about and you've set us up for success here and and let them move on and do whatever that next thing is. But a lot of scarcity mindset is gotta hold on to our people, right? And we've gotta hold them where they're at because we need it as a company. But what we don't realize is they're not using their strengths at some point, right? They're not even like exercising their strengths and growing them. And the performance of our organization is impacted. So we have people that can do stuff, but we don't have people like you said that are learning because I think we're so focused on skill set and accomplishment. And to be honest, we could get into a whole long discussion about our entire educational system is built around this as well. Is it doesn't help people understand their purpose. Even in a collegiate, I mean it's a little bit better in college, but it's focused on 
getting something right skill set and acquiring a skill and then going to do that but not really finding out who you are along the way and it's terrifying i'm sending my first college student off next year and i'm like how do i get her set to even know what she wants to do so that she can be a barista and she can take an advantage of an opportunity that is not on her plan at all and and i think that's what we're seeing in our world is that we're seeing that people want more of that and um how do you see what you do or how do you hear right and feel it how this impacts the personal lives of your employees because i think that's another thing about love too is we don't just love them when they're at the office right, right? And when COVID happened i tell all my clients that you just came into all your people's living rooms offices kitchen counters the the lines are now blurred probably forever right like you came into my personal life and the lines are now between personal and professional are blurred how do you see this carry forth or what do you hear from your employees well, you know, our, our purpose is to support you in building a life that you love. Our vision is to improve workplace culture in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to run through some a really simple linear process. The, 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 number one, uh, the number one killer in the United States is chronic disease by a factor of like five. It is proven that the number one contributor to chronic disease is stress. The number one contributor to stress is now is one work two finances. If we can improve workplace culture, so people go into work and they're in an environment that is supportive, that's nurturing, uh, that's there to take care of them in a moment of need. Think of the difference that's going to occur when that employee goes home at night mm -hmm. and they're sitting around the dinner table with their kids. Think of the different conversation that's going to be occurring around that dinner table. People go home today from work and they're a mess. They're depleted. They, they're, they, they're, still, they're still nervous. They're still on their phone. They're still, they're, they're full of anxiety, right? Because they live in a space at work that's combative, that's not nurturing. They don't feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're constantly anxious. And so when we're taking on workplace culture, we want to demonstrate that a nurturing environment, a supportive environment, a collaborative environment can perform at an extraordinarily high level from a business perspective mm -hmm. and take care of all of its people in that way. And then people go home and they're better fathers, better mothers, they're, they're, they're better spouses. Uh, they're, they're better in their communities, everything. Yeah. Right. And so that's what we're, that's where we're going. That's our charge. That's what, that's the legacy that we're going to leave. We hope in, um, in the world. It's amazing. And, and you and I connected on so many levels, even before this on the culture side, because clearly, you know, we're both culture junkies and, um, and the way we define, so we've created our own definition of culture because it's so nebulous for people is that we believe a positive culture is where people go home every day better than when they came in. Yeah. Perfect. Some days that's bigger than others, right? But they came and they learned something. They filled their bucket Love it. right? and they're going home to their families with a full bucket instead of a completely empty bucket so that they're angry and short fused and all of that right. kind of stuff, because the ripple effect of that, to be honest, is, is the world that we're experiencing right now. 
and true. You know, you know, when when somebody I love that, by the way, let me just say that out loud. Uh, and then what do you do when you get home? You grab a drink, Correct. right? You do drugs, you grab you grab to try to unwind. No. Mm-hmm. You, you're numbing, right? And and so workplace culture can also have positive impact on reducing substance abuse. Yeah. I mean, so so uh, you know, I just this is this is my life now. <laughs> you could talk know? about it all day. I, I, I could talk that. about it all day. I, yeah, I love that. Um, so one kind of last topic that I want to talk about, because you talk about harnessing the power of each human being. Um, what do you guys do in your organization, like day to day, simple, right? Like not grandiose programs. And like, how do you, how do you do that? Well, you know, I think people want to have a, they want to have something worthy to work on at work. Mm-hmm. And and we try to provide that. And so, you know, we are not advocates of foosball tables and free lunches. No kegerators? Uh, no kegerators. <laughs> we had a phase of all of that for a while, but you know what, frankly, it the stuff okay. never got used, nope. right? And it would just sit there and collect us. And so, you know, I think that, um, that the small things are being fully engaged in uh, your people's work with them. Uh, you know, we, we have, we have some people in our organization right now that are absolute geniuses when it comes to small victories Mm -hmm. and celebrating small victories with people and, and having a reason to celebrate on a daily or, you know, multiple times a week, uh, feeding off of those small victories regularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, so being really, and then, and then, you know, the other thing that I think is critical, which does not happen in the world in many places is a culture of authenticity where you're saying what needs to be said, right? And everybody respects that. And to me, that is that is a huge part of what leadership is mm-hmm. in, in management is, is, is having the hard conversation, but, but with love so that they know that it's really about helping them and, and bringing them value. And, and so, you know, when they, if and when they move on to a different company or choose to do their own thing or whatever, we've brought them real value with their time there you know, uh, in terms of improvement. So uh, I think those are some of the small things. And, you know, I mean, I just, I have a little um, philosophy and it is that, that there are, there are no bad employees. Well, there's, there's probably like 1.3% of the population that's got some kind of psychosis or something. And, and you know what, there's there, but, but for 98.7% of people are good employees. The problem is, is we have a whole bunch of really, really bad managers and leaders. And if you think your employees are bad, you got to turn that around and look at yourself, right? Like you are not doing something because people are not bad employees. They just aren't. People aren't lazy. People aren't. The people want to be engaged. They want to contribute. They want to be part of a high functioning team. It's your job as a manager to build that environment for them. And if you can't figure out how to do that, that's on you. And you shouldn't be in management if that doesn't energize you. And I think that's what we've seen this deficit in organizations of leaders and managers that want that versus they just want, they believe they have to take, I have this conversation all the time with clients is don't just put them in a manager title because it's the next step for them and you don't know what else to do with them. We need to know if they actually want to do this. 
if they have the emotional intelligence and the desire to treat people, right? And focus on people. And if they don't, let them just go be good at what they do. That's yeah. okay too. We need those seats on the bus. Yeah. And, and, and you have to pay them though. So most people take management jobs because they can earn a little bit more money, right? right? Yep. So I literally, can we take this on the road and just interview companies <laughs> that do this? Because I think great. People, we don't, we now have started to have examples, but I think, you know, the, the last 10 or 15 years is we now have more statistics related to business results and culture. And there's just beautiful stuff that's coming out because there's more and more companies like yours that are doing this and are talking about it and are measuring it and saying, you can have the best of both worlds. You can build a really successful business and have a kick-ass culture at the same time where people want to be here. And so I just so thankful for you for sharing all of this wisdom and just for being who you are, um, for writing the book that you wrote, which I'll let you talk about in a second here, because we need to be having these kind of conversations. And I truly believe, and I, it's hard to say this because I know some people have been really impacted by COVID and everything that's happening, right? Health-wise, and it, this is happening for a reason. And I truly, truly believe that it's because we need a course correction in our lives, personally and professionally. And companies that figure this out now, that make, decide they want to make the shift and they don't want to go back to the way it was before, are the ones who will have a clear competitive advantage over the next 20 years. And it, I love it. And I, I want to find those people because there's people out there that want to engage and do what you've done. So thank you for fighting the good fight. My uh, and pleasure. For thank sharing you. Your story. How can people, because now everyone listening was going to want to work for you. So <laughs> including me. <laughs> So how can people find out more about you, about your company, about your book, kind of share the whole thing with us? Yeah. Well, first, let me give you a book uh, I didn't write called Firms of Endearment. Hmm. Uh, Raj Sisodia wrote it. Uh, It's brilliant. Right. So, so anyway, that's a, that's a great book. uh, If you want to learn more about companies that are doing this kind of work and the financial results that they, um, um, that they can, um, it's the whole conscious capitalism movement, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, so, and then for me personally, you know, I wrote a book came out last August on entrepreneurship. It's called grind. Uh, and I'm, I'm in the midst of a, of a, of of a project here. And, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to, I needed to, to um, write a book around entrepreneurship and business startup first. And cause I wanted people to know that, that that's, that's me, right? Like that, that is my background. And, and so I didn't want to just write a book on culture or on leadership because it's like, well, what did this, how did this guy, you know, what, yeah. why does he think he can write a book on culture? And so I'm writing a book on, on, I wrote a book on, on, on startup. I'm now writing a book on management and leadership. And then I'm moving on. I'm going to write a book on, um, sort of the, the deliberately developmental organization. Uh, it's going to be on uh, love in the workplace and so on. And that's going to be the third book. So, so, but the first book is called grind and I have a website it's uh, grindthebook.com. And, but more importantly, my company's website is bigby.com. It's B I G G B is in boy Y.com. And, and then, you know, the, the social media um, world is, a, is also a great place to connect uh, on um, link, LinkedIn is primarily the one I use mostly. Perfect. And we'll make sure and put all those links to your LinkedIn account and all of that so people can follow you so that they know when the other books, right? When those projects, because I know those are a labor of love and those take some time. They um, do. 
And so when those come out so that people can just get the latest and you share a lot of great content on, on social too. So I think it'd be just be great for people to follow you and kind of see the good that you're putting out. Yeah. Um, because we all, we all need doses of that every day right now to kind of keep us going to fight, yeah. keep fighting the good fight. So thank you with your busy schedule. I appreciate you taking the time to do this so much. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I love what you're doing. And, and, you know, we have to talk about, uh, we have, a, we have a, uh, talk about getting together here soon and talking about, uh, our culture and, and getting love involved it. in that. Yeah. I love it. And to our listeners, you know, this podcast has been a labor of love. We've two and a half years of bringing leaders like Michael on here to just shift your perspective a little bit, right? Show up a little different today. Do something just a little bit different because that's really what the goal here is, is, is the more we can shift our lens and shift our perspective and learn from other people that are doing good things. It has that positive influence on us and truly, I believe, gets us to a deeper level of success. Um, than we could do on our own. So I, I, I appreciate you so much engaging in this podcast. Leave us ratings, leave us reviews so that we know how this resonates with you. Until next time, thanks everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please click that little subscribe button so you get the latest episodes when we release them. And we would so appreciate a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you on how these podcast topics are having an impact for you. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, make sure and go to our website, keystonegroupintl.com to sign up. 